Ecclesiastes 3. A lot of times you hear this at funerals, occasionally at weddings. I don't think anybody's actually going to die here today, but if your neighbor's too sound asleep, give them a poke just to be sure. Okay, I'm going to read through this once all the way through, and then we'll be picking it apart a little bit. There's a time for everything. There's a season for every activity under the heavens. There's a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant, a time to uproot, a time to kill, a time to heal, a time to tear down, and a time to build up. There's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, a time to dance, a time to scatter stones and a time to gather them, a time to embrace, a time to refrain from embracing, a time to search and a time to give up. Actually, quick pause. That remote, we can't give up yet. We will find our TV remote. A time to keep, a time to throw away, a time to tear and a time to mend, a time to be silent and a time to speak, a time to love, a time to hate, a time for war and time for peace. What do workers gain from their toil? I have seen the burdens of God laid on the human race. He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. I know there is nothing better for people than to be happy and to do good while they live, that each of them may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all their toil. This is the gift of God. I know that everything God does will endure forever. Nothing can be added to it and nothing taken from it. Does God, God does it so that people will fear him. Okay. Can I take a moment and pray before we go on? Lots of little words. Okay. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunity to gather here. Please bless these words and help them to reach people in the way that you have planned. And please just guide my tongue and help me to glorify you through this, ser this sermon. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so talking about times, the grass is always greener. Well, isn't that like kind of the story of life? When you're a little kid, you can't wait until you're older. You can't wait till you're in junior high. Once you're in junior high, everything will be better. You know, life's just so much easier as a junior high kid than it was when you're young and they're telling you what to do all the time. Just the freedom of junior high is awesome. And then when you're in junior high, you can't wait for high school. Once you're in high school, then life will be better. But then when you're in high school, you realize that you sit there the entire time and you don't get paid for it. Okay, so, but what's better than high school? Well, once you graduate, life's easier. So you're going to go to college, or you're going to go to work. You're going to start making money. Okay, once, once you find the right person, once you settle down, you have your house, your kids, your everything, life will be easier, right? We're always looking for that next phase. So once we graduate college, then we can get a house. Once we get a house and a job, then we can think about kids. But you're always waiting for that next thing, that next step, that next... Well, I love this picture because... We have got the Ryan. So sometimes he's just Ryan, but a lot of times he's the Ryan. So you can kind of see two different phases of his personality in those pictures. So I love the phase that Ryan is in right now, except for the times when I want to throw him out of a window. <laughs> like, you know, God has put us in the time that we are right now to enjoy the things that he's given us right now. And Ryan is awesome. He's got an awesome personality. He gives the best hugs. He, I could say similar things about all of my kids and their strengths. I'm just picking on Ryan right now because 
the Ryan. Sometimes you, like, can I just five years? If I can wait just five years, he'll grow out of so much of that. We're almost there. But then you miss out on the fun, the hula hooping and the, the bouncing and the, just all the joys of having him in the age and the phase that he is now. How often do we go through this just through all of our lives and say, if I can only wait until here? Well, retirement. When I get to retirement, things will be better. You know, I'd really love to go to North Dakota duck hunting. I'm a teacher. I will go to North Dakota duck hunting maybe when I retire. I've taught for 11 years, so I only have 27 years left to go before I retire. <laughs> Unfortunately, I'm being very serious about this. But <laughs> the thing is, the, if I'm looking forward to retirement, what do I miss now? What are the things that I can do now, that God is giving me now, that I can glorify Him with, and just that I can enjoy? God put us on this planet and made things very good. Okay, we can enjoy things. If we're always looking at the other side, grass is always greener on the other side, things will be better later, we miss out on part of the fun. So, just a quick pick on my sister and brother-in-law. They've been working on their house and painting. And think about how much more fun it'll be once that's done. But how often do you guys spend an entire day with your spouse cutting in the same... <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you get to spend time together, right? There's things that you can enjoy, the good, the bad, the... You are in the time that God has you in now, and there's things that can be done with that. Now, a trap that I kind of fall into on the other side of it, not only am I looking forward to retirement, man, I'm too old for this stuff. <laughs> like, my kids bounce off the walls. Like, sometimes very literally bounce off the walls. Sometimes through the walls. You know, a little bit of everything. But 10 years ago, I would have had the energy to keep up with them. How often do we feel like we are just too old to do what God wants us to do? I'm too tired, I'm too worn out. You know, jumping on the trampoline kind of puts that shock all the way through my spine with every bounce. I'm too old for this stuff. Okay, are we too old to do what God has planned for us? Are we too old to enjoy where God has us now? Is it too late to change, to do whatever the new phase of our life is, whatever the new season is? So, kind of an extreme example, but we're going to talk about Abraham. <laughs> so, God said to Abraham, as for Sarai, your wife, you are no longer to call her Sarai. Her name will be Sarah. I will bless her and will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Kings of peoples will come from her. Now, that sounds awesome until you put it in context. Abraham fell on his face. He laughed and said to himself, Will a son be born to a man 100 years old? Will Sarah bear a child at the age of 90? So God promised Abraham that he's going to be the father of nations. That God made this promise to him, and now he's getting up there. It's like, man, I'm too old for this stuff. Like, so what happened as a result of Abraham trusting God in this phase of his life? How often do we say, man, I'm just too old. I, I can't help them. I can't do that. I'm, I'm too old for this crap. Well, no, you're not. God has you here on this earth, and God can use you if you let him. You're not too old. It's not too late. God has got a purpose for your life at any phase 
from bouncing off the walls to having to lean off them to stand up, it, God can use us. Okay, so I'm going to transition kind of the next side of, I'm going to hit a few major points coming back to this. So as we read through this, there's a time for everything, but then every line of it kind of has that conflicting. So a time to be born and a time to die. I don't really want to think about dying. It's not fun. Okay, there's a time to plant and a time to uproot. We're kind of catching opposite ends of this, right? How often do we think of something and like, man, I just am really not ready to think about the negative, the bad things coming. You know, you have a, a long weekend and then Sunday afternoon, it's like, man, my weekend's over. I'm a teacher. That's the entire month of August. Like, man, summer's over. <laughs> like, it, we had our couple months. We had our freedom. Now I'm back in my classroom. I'm back doing this, this next thing, this next, next project. And it just kind of, like, almost ruins where I'm at. It ruins August for me because I'm thinking about the end of August and all of September as I've got to get cranking back at my job. We can't let the anxiety, the thought about the bad things ruin the good things. And beyond that, even in the bad things, God's with us. We can glorify God through our bad things, and if we can glorify God through the good things, if we're not stressed out worrying about the bad things. So how do you just say, ah, don't worry about it? Honestly, it's kind of my personality. I'm like the classic type B personality. Eh, we'll get there eventually. It, don't, don't stress out. My wife is not. There is a plan and a checkbox in place to deal with this. Well, less so now that we've got more kids. But you have to be thinking about the future. You have to be thinking about this, this next thing. And as you read through Ecclesiastes 3, it says about all this, all this bad that can happen. How do we enjoy the good while we don't, while we know that bad things can happen? And if nothing else, we know that we're going to die. At least Jesus comes back before that point. Is that going to ruin life, the thought of death? So if we're anxious about the bad, Romans 8, I'm going to actually take a quick pause. As I go through a lot of these verses, they are pulled from greater context. But so that my sermon doesn't actually last an hour and a half, I am going to be using them like this. And I'm going to be summarizing a bunch of stuff later. I highly recommend that you go back and catch everything in its full intent, full where it belongs, not just what you're hearing from me. And especially as I'm into paraphrasing, I make mistakes. Ask my wife, she'll tell you. <laughs> it, just make sure that you are getting it as God intended, not just out of my mouth. So back to Romans 8. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, or any powers, neither high or depth, can anything else in creation, nor anything else in creation, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Okay, death cannot separate us from the love of God. Okay, demons cannot separate us from the love of God. As we're going through this, we're getting anxious, we're worried about these bad things that could happen. We have to know that no matter what happens, we are not separated from the love of God. 
Okay, yeah, bad things will happen. Are you going to be alone when you, when you reach it? No. Do you have to stress out about it? No, God's with us now when things are good. God's with us now if things are bad. Okay, he'll help us deal with things no matter what they are when they come. There's nothing we can't do through Christ. Isaiah 41.10 So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Hmm. Awesome, isn't it? Okay, don't fear. He is with us. He will uphold us. That's quite a promise. Now, I read things like this, and sometimes I, like, what would happen if I didn't have God? How would I feel about life if I didn't have these promises to lean on? It'd be terrifying. It'd be very scary. Like, how do you go through life without knowing that no matter what happens, that there is God? That is how we can have comfort in the good times and the bad times. We know that he's going to uphold us. We know that he is with us. He tells us not to be worried. And honestly, that's quite a promise coming from the creator of all things. It's pretty awesome. Okay, Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29, 10 through 14. So, a little bit of background on what's happening with Jeremiah here. Israel isn't doing so hot. Well, I think that's kind of the nicest way of putting that Israel isn't doing so hot. They messed up big time. And God is dealing with them. And part of how God's dealing with them is they've been conquered. Not just did they like, yeah, we're going to take over and you can, you know, you can kind of do your own thing, but know that we're in charge. No, God allowed them to be conquered. They came and they stripped people from their lands. They pushed them out into exile. This is kind of a rough place to be. So when you feel like you're being punished by God, your entire nation has been conquered, been pushed into exile. This is what God says. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise. I will bring you back to this place, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to, pro to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in a future. Okay, quick pause. So there's quite a time frame on this. After 70 years, it's quite a punishment. Previous, it says, he basically says, get comfortable where you are because you're going to be here for a while. Okay? Plant gardens, be prepared to harvest the fruit of them. This is not going to be an immediate fix. But he is saying, I have plans for you, and they're good. God has good things coming for us. So even in the worst of this, do you have to be anxious about the worst of this? No, because God has good plans coming up. Then you will call, me, call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So even in the, the depths of some bad things going on, God's making promises that he, he's watching out for us. He knows that we were there. He knows that the nation of Israel is in exile. He hasn't forgotten about them. He wasn't done with Israel. Right? There, there's a plan for this. And good times are coming. Good things are going to come. 
seems like a lot, of, a lot of verses, and it'll seem like even more by the time I'm done, because that's just, <laughs> you guys hear enough of what I have to think that the more verses that I can tie in, the better. But a lot of these are things that are fairly familiar, just kind of taking them in the context, back to that original, there's good times, there's bad times. What do we do in the bad times? That's kind of my main, bring it back to the focus here. So in Matthew 25 through 34, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Hmm. Kind of had that philosophy sometimes at home. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not going to worry about dinner tonight. That's okay because your laundry's not done yet. So we, we kind of catch both sides of this. If we don't have to worry about the basic necessities of life right here, though, okay, don't worry about what you'll eat or drink or about your body or what you'll wear. Aren't those, like, our main priorities? When we teach our kids, like, what, is it, what are the essentials for life? Food, water, shelter? Like, they learned that in first grade. And God's saying, don't worry about that stuff. I've got you. If he's got even the, the most basic necessities... What can you do with everything else? <clears throat> it is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? So, I had a conversation with, I think it was actually Ryan this week. Do dogs go to heaven? I know some dogs definitely don't. <laughs> God created us in his, in his image. We are unique. We are special. God gave us a soul. God takes care of the birds. God didn't make them like us. He didn't make them in his image. If God cares that much about them, how much more important are we? Like, it's not, well, God takes care of the birds, he'll take care of the cats too. No, we are separate. We are special. We are miles above where God created birds. We are made in the image of God. So, can I say that there's going to be dogs in heaven? I don't know. I'm not going to promise that to my kid. He's pretty good at processing things that we are made after God. Dogs aren't. Birds aren't. But God takes care of birds. God takes care of dogs. How much better off are we? If that doesn't fix anxiety, I don't know what really can, right? Okay. God takes care of everything, but we are special. So when bad things come, God takes care of bad things for other creatures. He takes care of them for the plants. He makes plants beautiful. But he thinks we're special. He died for us. He didn't die for plants. He died for us. We know that we've got a, a hope and a future because of this. So if we start to stress out, hey, I'm better than birds, right? Okay. Um, why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet, I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendors was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass in the field, how, 
which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You have little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So, will there be bad things? Well, it says that there's times, there's seasons. There will be things, now, what degree of bad? Well, part of that depends on our attitude. Part of that depends on where we are with God and how we process things. But when it comes down to it, regardless of what it is, God's with us. God will take care of us. He takes care of the grass. He takes care of the birds. He'll take care of us. And final point on this, something that I think that we occasionally forget. So we're a body. We are the body of Christ. So if bad things are happening, you're not just you have Christ. You've got the body of Christ here to support you, here to take care of you. Do we sometimes feel like, well, I don't really don't want to make it other people's problems? Well, is it the foot's problem if the hand's falling off? Yeah, it kind of is. You're attached to. <laughs> so, not just do we have God on our side, God can move through us as the body of Christ to help each other. When bad things happen, we can help each other. Sometimes just a conversation can help each other, sometimes it's physical things. Sometimes helping each other is literally going and helping somebody do something. That's what's important. So if you're ever feeling like worried and how am I going to handle this, have you reached out to the body of Christ? Have you reached out to each other, to me, to, to us as a church? And that is one of the amazing things about being part of such a great church. If you reach out, there are people who, in most cases, are going to be able to help you and be happy to help you. Christ commands us to take care of each other. It's a lot easier to take care of each other if we know that the other people are having problems. If you're having struggles, reach out. If you know struggles are coming, reach out. If you're feeling worried about the struggles that could be coming, reach out. If you're having problems, they shouldn't be kept to yourself. We are the body of Christ. We have the ability to help each other, and we've got the ability to pray for each other. Not just a casual, I'll pray for you, but we will sit down and we will pray with you. There's amazing power in prayer. There's amazing power being part of the body. And with that, we don't have to worry about anxiety. What is there out there that God can't handle? Nothing. And a lot of times he uses us to do it, which is pretty awesome too. Okay, now I'm going to transition to probably a little bit more fast-paced rundown. Uh, if you think I'm fast-paced now, just wait and see what happens when I get to the last five minutes before the bell rings. <laughs> okay, we're going to talk about timing. So kind of my third major point on this is what is the right time? You know, it says that there's all these different times, but which one are we actually in? So... Numbers 13, Israelites failed to enter the promised land. So this is 
they send in their 12 spies. Two of them come back and say, this is awesome. God gave us a great place. Ten come back and say, we're going to get our butts kicked. This is very, very paraphrased. <laughs> very paraphrased. Okay. And Israel says, we don't want to go in and get our butts kicked. God says, fine, you don't go, get to go in at all. So what do they do? We learned our lesson, we're going to listen to God. No, they didn't. They tried to go in. They said they're going to get their butts kicked. Joshua and Caleb said, we can do this with God. They said no. God says, okay, then you can't do it. And then they tried to do it without God, which they said at step one, we're going to get our butts kicked. <laughs> okay, timing's everything. If they had gone in when they were told, back here, they would have done great. God would have given them the promised land an entire lifespan earlier. But because they didn't listen to God, they didn't follow God's timing, they got their butts handed to them, and then they had to wait. Wait an entire generation. Okay, the walls of Jericho. So finally they go through all that, they make it in, and there's this huge city with huge walls. So one of the stories I always found interesting was the walls of Jericho because they marched around the walls every day. Does it really make a difference if you do it every day? I mean, let's be honest, God. I'm going to be a little bit less tired if I don't have to do this for a week. So we, we show up at Jericho, we walk around, we stop, we shout, we blow our trumpets, and nothing would have happened. They didn't do that. Nothing would have happened because they weren't following God's timing. They did this every day, day after day. Seven days, seventh day, they do it seven times. The walls come crashing down. When they followed God and God's timing, they didn't have to breach these walls. They didn't have to tear things apart. God did it for them. So in 1 Samuel 24, David cuts Saul's robe. So at this point, David has been anointed as the next king of Israel. David has defeated Goliath. Okay, Goliath, or sorry, Saul gets back from fighting the Philistines and they say, hey, David's up in the desert. So he goes up in the desert to kill David. Because why not, right? David catches him sleeping, slips up, and now he's standing there, he's got his spear over Saul. If that was me, I think I would have said, hey, God said I'm going to be the next king. <laughs> this guy's being a jerk, and I'm given the opportunity. Pretty easy decision, isn't it? David talked to God. David had a relationship with God to where he knew that he was not to be the one to do that to Saul. That that was not the time, that was not the place, that was not the situation. He cut a piece of Saul's robe, and he even felt guilty about that. I think the piece I would have cut would have been like lined up straight over top of vital parts. But he felt guilty even doing that because God's timing is everything. David became king of Israel because he listened to God and followed God's timing. There was a time for David to be king and there was a time for David not to. He wasn't there yet. So back to Jeremiah 29, Israel was in captivity. What would have happened if they decided that they were going to rally 70 years earlier than God told them to? 
would they have been able to take back Jerusalem? Would they have been able to take back their kingdom? No. God said, you're going to sit, you're going to wait. Okay, you are in exile, I'm watching out for you, but you're going to wait. So sometimes God's timing is everything. Transition over to the New Testament. So what did Jesus do? So in Matthew 19, he had the, let the children come to him. Let the little children come to me. Which is the picture that we love most with Jesus. Like Jesus surrounded by children. It's a great painting. Is that the only thing that Jesus did? No. There was a time for that. There was also a time when friends said, hey, Lazarus is dying. Jesus loved Lazarus. And he waited a couple days. Now, could Jesus a week earlier said, hey, even though I'm not there, I'm God. I could heal Lazarus from a ways away. I don't have to wait for him to die. Well, he's God. He could do that. Was it in his timing? Was it the plan that he had? Well, he went. Lazarus had already been dead for four days. Had he rushed? Would he have fixed things? Got there beforehand? No, Jesus had his timing. He had his plan. If he had, from when he was told, had he rushed, he still wouldn't have made there on time. But was he able to show God's will, show God's power by raising Lazarus from the dead? Through the right timing, miracles can happen. Listening to God's timing. So Jesus enters Jerusalem as a king. So Palm Sunday is typically how we think about this, right? So he comes in, he's riding on this bull. He's entering as a king. And everyone loves him, right? What happens a week later? People love him so much. Okay, was the timing right? What was that time? So when we're thinking about Jesus, we say, hey, he's got all these different things that he did. The Bible contradicts itself. Does the Bible contradict itself? No. There's a time and a place for all these different things. There's a time for him to be arrested. There's a time for him to flip tables in the temple. There's a time for him to walk peacefully to his own death. You're catching different, different aspects of Christ by the different situations and the different timing that he had to accomplish his ultimate goal, which was to save us from our sins. One of my kind of favorite lines is, what would Jesus do? You need to understand that flipping tables and chasing them with a whip isn't outside the realm of possibilities. <laughs> we, we like to picture the let all the children come to me version of Christ. But depending on the timing and the situation, God had different responses for different things. Okay, and finally, the curtain of the temple is torn. This is a really major timing thing for us. It's a really big deal. So there was a perfect place created for man. Everything was very good and we messed it up. We separated ourselves from God by sin. Okay, through the Old Testament, they were able to at least partially cleanse themselves through sacrifice, through priests and through intermediates to try to reconnect somewhat with the God that they had broken the relationship with. 
The curtain of the temple was torn when Jesus died. That broke that barrier. Okay, times have changed. We are no longer have to sacrifice a goat. Sometimes I'd like to anyways, but that's... Uh, <laughs> we no longer have to sacrifice a goat to have a relationship with our God. Okay, Christ died. That curtain tore. We can now have access to the sanctuary. We can have a relationship with God. We can connect with God because it's a different time. That is a, that is a time that we have right now that we can count on. We can count on the fact that we have transitioned from the time where we were separated by sin to a time that through a relationship with Christ, we can talk to our God. Okay, timing's everything. So, how do we know? If all these different things happen all this different time, if I'm David, I'm standing there with my spear, how do I know whether it's the right time to, to poke the king and make him a pincushion or to, you know... How do we know? So, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. That is a very difficult thing for me. I'm a very logical person. My brain functions with math, with science, with steps. And very clear steps lead to very clear answers. My own understanding doesn't always lead to the right answer. Okay? Again, I like to reference my wife. She's she can tell you that my logic doesn't always lead to where the right answer is. She's probably feeling picked on. I love my wife. I just, I also like to pick on people, so. Okay. So don't lean on your understanding. Trust the Lord. Submit to him, and he will make our path straight. He will take us where we need to go. Okay. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. So you need to ask God, but you need to ask God earnestly. Not like, ah, God, what do you need me to do? I guess he didn't answer fast enough, I'm going to go. No, we are asking God, we are diving in, having our relationship with God, and fully trusting him to give us the answers. This isn't a quick passing, oh yeah, by the way. We are going to be reaching out to him without doubts so that we know that he will lead us. Because he says he will. We just have, the right, have to have the right heart, the right mindset when we go to him. And Psalm 119, 105. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light for my path. Amen. So, talking to God, connecting with God, but his word if you're doing something and it contradicts God's word, it's not the right thing. It's not the right time. You're doing something wrong. Your timing is off if you think that what the right thing to do contradicts what the Bible tells you to do. So, not necessarily an all-inclusive list, but if you are following these steps, God says that he'll guide you. It doesn't get any better than that, right? Uh, would someone come up and play? Play? Okay. So, what is it always time for? Okay. We can always pray. We can always connect with God. We can always talk to God. Now, 
this was kind of a hard piece for me to put together just because there's so much of the Bible that applies to us all the time. Knowing the Bible will let you know what we're supposed to do most of the time, where our hearts are supposed to be, how we're supposed to act. Summarize it to just a couple of key points. Okay, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. So you're, you're ever in doubt, like, okay, what do I need to do now? What time is it now? It is time to love God, love people. Always. There wasn't a time stipulation. There wasn't a, hey, if you feel, with it, feel like it, or hey, if the right thing is going on. It is always the right time to love God and love people. And the other thing that it is the right time for, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So I've been a firefighter for 15 years, and there are a lot of people who thought that they would have time later. There isn't always time later. Without Christ coming back even, you never know what is going to happen for you. Okay, you might be headed home on these slippery roads and somebody else might swerve into your lane. You never know what's going to happen. But what we do know is the veil is torn. Christ opened that barrier so that we can talk to God. Okay, it is always time to have a relationship with God. And it's not hard. There was a time when, like, you're dragging in your sheep for sacrifice. This is an ordeal. There isn't one. The sacrifice has been made. Christ died for us. And right now is the time. There's always time right now. And all you have to do is declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you will be saved. We are a body. We are here to support you. If you have questions, if you have concerns, you, is this really all there is to it? We are a body. We take care of each other and we will talk. We will give you the next steps. We will give you the, our knowledge, our, our hearts on how we can make this go farther. You will be saved with just this though. pretty awesome. So, just to summarize, what time is it? It's time to use the season of life that you are in to glorify God and enjoy the gifts that we are given. It is time to have faith that God is with us in every season of our lives. It is time to trust God to lead us. It's time to trust God or to love God and love others. And it is time to be saved by grace through faith in Christ Jesus. Okay, if we can follow those things, we'll be, our timing will be right. We'll be heading on the right path. So, again, I'm going to ask that anybody who does not have confidence that 
you are going to heaven. You don't know. You've been waiting for a different time. You've been waiting for a different opportunity. You've been waiting for something. Know that there's no more waiting. The time is right now. So if everyone will bow their heads, I'm going to ask that anybody who does not have that confidence, does not have that assurity that Christ is with them, Christ is guiding them, and that you're going to go to heaven. Okay, would you please raise your hand? Awesome. Okay, I am going to pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for the opportunities you've given us and the, the guidance you give us to walk through all these different times in our lives. Thank you for coming for us, coming to earth for our sins and breaking that barrier so that we live in a time where we can connect with you and with the Father. Please bless us as we go through today and help us to just reflect on what you want us to do and what you, where you want us to go. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Can go and enjoy the time that God's given us.